Welcome to Al Dente, the podcast for Adelaide University dental students hosted by dental students. We begin by acknowledging that this podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Ghana people, and we pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Hi, I'm Valerie Young, a third year dental student, the host of the Al Dente podcast. This episode, I'm joined by Jin Yang, a recent Adelaide Dental School graduate and a past publications executive. How are you feeling, Jin Yang? Perhaps a bit of deja vu? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think a bit of nostalgia as well. Um, hosting, my memories looking back as being the podcast host, um, it's filled with lots of great memories. I had a lot of fun and I'm so honoured to be invited to be back on the other side of this mic and also coming back and seeing the yellow building of the HMS um, brings back a lot of memories as well. Mm-hmm. We are so happy and lucky to have you on here today. So let's begin with a media recommendation from each of us. What's one that you have for the listeners today? Um, so I got in. I'm a bit of a podcast listener now. Admittedly, I wasn't one when I was the host, um, but I think because I was on rural placement quite a fair bit, um, just listening to podcasts kind of distracted me with audio when I was feeling particularly homesick. So one that I really love is called The Rooftop Pod by Jesse Jan and his youngest brother, one of his younger brothers, Andrew, and his younger sister, Rachel. So their podcast is just talking about their lives as young Asian Americans. They discuss school, work, love life, family dynamics, and they were also raised Christian, so they talk about their dilemmas with where they currently are with their relationship to faith. And I particularly love their podcast because I feel like I can relate to them a lot. Like they have younger siblings who are much younger than them, like early high school as well. How about yourself? Yeah, okay, that's interesting. I might look into that myself. Uh, so I have been actually watching a lot of YouTube videos by this uh, orthodontist in America called Dr. Mike. So he runs an orthotropics channel. I'm not sure if you've heard of that before, but it's a bit different to orthodontics. Mm. But pretty much it's teaching you how to elevate like your facial structures without surgical interventions. Mm. So you might have heard something called mewing. Yes, so um, it's very popular with our generation in terms of like getting that chiseled jawline. So he actually goes through the science and research behind it mm. and I've been trying to implement it myself. So there's a lot of chin tucks you do and where you put like the back third of your tongue mm. and it really ties in with, with the anatomy that we've been learning in oh. second year, which is very exciting. Mm. And oh, applicable. Yeah. Dr. Mike, that's so interesting because I actually did have a patient in New South Wales who asked me about that and I didn't really, we didn't learn this obviously in dental school, so I didn't really know how to answer it in a, like a um, educated and informed <laughs> way. I was kind of just like, oh, like make sure that what you do is, you know, backed up by um, well-established science but it's so great that you're like actually learning about this and then because I'm sure as we as our generation comes through and like becomes our patients um, it's really great to actually be able to explain to them what they're doing and whether it is doing any harm and whether it is beneficial for them so that's awesome yeah well, a bit of EBD going on <laughs> so let's get on to the personal questions today firstly now that you've graduated what are your plans um, so, well, my plan, first of all, is just to relax um, after graduating. Much deserved. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but um, later during the year, I'm going to be working in the Australian Defence Force as a dentist. Like, what got you into seeing the Australian Dent- uh, Defence Force as a potential career pathway? 
Um, so I think I should probably do a disclaimer first. Like I am by no means the source that you should be going to um, for, I guess, any information regarding Defence Force and becoming a dentist or a um, dental assistant with them. Um, probably go to their like um, recruitment website, Defence Force recruiting website for official information. But I think what I like about it is just that um, it. There's a lot of support available um, and um, being able to travel for work as well is really exciting for me. Like I'm still quite young, I think. So um, just ha not really being tied down and being able to not only travel, I guess, across Australia, but hopefully internationally as well. And just being able to meet a lot of different people who aren't necessarily dentists, like engineers or um, aviation officers, stuff like that. And also being able to develop my soft skills. Um, definitely developed a lot throughout uni, but there's always ways to improve as well. Mm, yeah, that's interesting to know. So where do you see yourself in five years time? 10 years? Um, I'm actually not too sure. I feel like um, I'm not like a great long-term planner just because I hate saying no to things and turning down opportunities. Um, I think I'll just see where it, it all takes me. Um, but I think I do really love like teaching and mentoring. Um, hopefully one day, I'm not sure if it's within the five to 10 year mark, but I would love to return and, and come to do that. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it'll look like, but I think I'll be able to learn a lot in that role as well. I think students can also teach um, mentors and tutors a lot, and I certainly learn a lot, like how you mentioned Dr. Mike. Yeah, I'm keen to see you around the dental school in the future, <laughs> if I'll be coming back as well. Yeah, so let's move on to questions about rural dentistry, because our junior here today uh, was actually the dental representative of the Adelaide University Rural Health Alliance last year, during her fifth year in dental school. So she's quite an overachiever. So could you please tell us about your double rural placement in fifth year? Um, so I really loved my double rural placement. Um, it just gives us, like, gave me so much more experience and exposure, which I feel like is really important um, to have before getting registered and kind of um, working on your own in a sense. Um, and learning and adapting to how different clinics work. Um, and also interstate, like how New South Wales Health may work, is very different to how SA Health works. Is very important because obviously when you graduate, there's majority I would say of students wouldn't be working in SA Health. And finally, like having the experience um, to travel as well is so fun. Like you get to explore all these beautiful parts of Australia with people that you wouldn't necessarily hang out with, but like so many, I guess, unexpected friendships also developed um, from rural placements. Yeah, so tell us where you went and like what the differences were between the two different rural places. Um, so in f so fifth year, for those who don't know, um, when I was in fifth year, which was 2023, it was separated into three blocks. So each block was like, I guess, 12 to 16 weeks long. So in block one, which was at the start of the year, I went to um, rural um, South Australia, a town called Mount 
sorry, Mount Gambia, which is halfway between Melbourne and Adelaide. And then in block two, I was my main clinic was Marion. And then in block three, I went to a rural town in New South Wales, which is like two hours north of Sydney called Wyong. So I think the main, I guess, difference between the three clinics was really like what you do majority of the times, so like what um, clinical procedures are you doing? This also varies from tutor to tutor. Some tutors do have preferences. Um, and then you're also limited by like, I guess what the, um, what resources the clinic has. I found in Mount Gambia that I did quite a lot of endo because my tutor um, really liked endo there and we didn't do as much, we didn't do any dentures there um, and we did like one crown each, um, but that could change I um, with every year, depending on who's the tutor there. And then in, um, in Marion in block two, did a lot of pros um, because I did have Dr. Vu as my tutor. So, and I was also emphasizing that I needed pros because I knew I wasn't going to get those rurally. Um, and then in block three, it was a lot of extractions um, and a lot of um, some like simple, um, like surgery procedures like alveoloplasties which is where you smooth over like the jawbone um, and then um, a lot of fillings and a lot of um, yeah just like ROPs which is like emergency appointments when the patient presents with pain um, and yeah learnt a lot um, improved a lot actually on my fillings which I didn't really think about a lot as a fifth year dental student I was like oh I need to focus on like endo and crowns but fillings definitely um, improved a lot on that yeah. yeah so what actually made you improve more like on fillings because I'm actually going to third year and we're going to start doing fillings on SA dental pa patients mm -hmm. so like just want to know what the difference between learning like at the Adelaide Dental Hospital was in comparison to the rural places? Oh, um, I think it was just like one tutor in particular who just um, had very high expectations for us with regards to feelings, which is fantastic because that's how I learned a lot. Um, but yeah, like um, I think sometimes you may not focus so much on anatomy once you start seeing real patients because it's more important that it's like functional, well sealed, has a good contact and stuff. But he also liked having like good like marginal ridge heights, you know, um, good um, contours and everything. And he also like wore his loops when he was checking our fillings. Um, but most of the time for fillings, I don't wear loops, so I wouldn't see stuff that he would necessarily see. Um, but yeah I think like it's just think about like maybe why you're placing the filling and, and what are the most important parts because um, I don't think anyone can say that their best fillings were done in third year yeah, <laughs> yeah that's very humbling and I'll keep that in mind <laughs> so uh, now that you've finished dental school do you have any plans to practice rural dentistry post-graduation um I don't think I have like um, plans solidified at the moment but I know that it can definitely come up um, with being a defense dentist um, and I think if it does come up I would love to go because um, just being I, I really love like exploring the outdoors and just 
the places that you can see and the things that you can see. Um, it's just so different to metro areas. I think you really realise that you're just like a speck in the universe and that there are all these like um, natural wonders that have been here for millennia before you and will be here for like thousands of years after you as well. And it's just like really beautiful to see. Yeah. yeah, that's so exciting. I really hope to actually get to go interstate as well for our rural placements in fifth year, but we'll see how we go. Because mm. I've heard that uh, people get to go to Tasmania, so if they don't change that for our cohort, apparently you can go like sightseeing over the weekends and it's just very rewarding. Mm, yeah, for sure, for sure. And it's great if you have a car or someone um, that you're going with has a car, so then you guys can really um, explore the more rural areas. Definitely, yeah. So, Junya, let's move on to questions related to the AADSS. So, with your long list and your resume of like past achievements throughout dental school, what was your involvement in the AADSS? Um, so, I think I was a bit of a jack of all trades in the AADSS. I just really wanted to get involved and learn a lot. Um, I think because especially like you can learn so much through the AADSS that doesn't that dentistry. Um, the degree you know five years they can only teach you so much so I tried to do as much as I could um, so I think in second year I was on um, student affairs subcom and then I was in events gencom and then publications exec and then finally last year was the aura rep so yeah a bit of a bit of everything um, yeah Yes, so um, now that you've finished dental school, do you plan on pursuing any other leadership roles as a working dentist? And what would that look like? Um, I think like being a defense dentist is um, comes with leadership roles in and of mm -hmm. itself. Um, so, but it's, it's a bit different, depends on the situation that you are in. And even as a dentist, um, throughout the years obviously you do um, ascend through the ranks but there's always people who are more senior to you um, I think it's it's difficult to say exactly what it will look like um, each situation comes with its own I guess responsibilities mm, yeah so if you don't mind me asking when did you start to like think about the option of becoming a defense dentist was there any moment that like inspired that Ooh, um, that's a great question. I wish I had like an awesome story to tell, but I think it was like during COVID and um, there was just like an ad somewhere and I was like, oh, that's actually really interesting. And it hadn't crossed my mind before. I don't have any family who's in the um, defense at all. Um, so it was during COVID when I first thought about it, but I think because of COVID, um, everything was kind of on hold and especially with recruiting, I think that was on hold as well. So I couldn't apply then. And then I saw another um, ad, I think towards the end of fourth year, um, and there was like an info session so I was like oh I'll just like have a like go and attend and see if it's interesting like as I said earlier I, it's really hard for me to say no to things so um, I just went ahead and it was actually really interesting um, and then yeah I started my application and here we are now yeah exciting road, road ahead hmm. uh, so if you don't mind sharing like what are the main differences between um, like just working in private practice or like in public practice versus working for the defense force? Ooh, uh, it's hard for me to say because I've, I haven't actually worked in the defense force. Um, 
and I also haven't actually been a dentist in public or private. Um, I feel like pro probably the biggest differences are um, your patient demographic, like your patients are very healthy um, and so medical, medical background is usually pretty easy. Um, and I think also the maybe it's important to think about why you're doing the treatment you're doing. Um, I would imagine that most of the procedures you're doing is so that the, the patient or the soldier or whoever is deployable, meaning that they can actually go on the missions and do the tasks that defense would like them to do rather than, rather than okay, like maybe privately, oh, I want to keep this tooth for like the next 50 or so years or I want my teeth to look like um, some Hollywood celebrities. Like everyone has different motives, but I would I would assume in defense um, that it's mostly so that the patient's deployable. Yeah, that's a very interesting perspective. Keen to hear more about it after you start working as well. So now we're gonna take a short break and hear a message from our sponsor. Thanks for tuning in. Abano is the largest dental support organization across Australia and New Zealand with over 260 practices. Are you a new dentist looking to kickstart your career? Look no further. Abano offers a unique kickstart program designed to support you to establish your practice. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. So Jinya, now that you and your cohort have graduated, do you know what the different pathways most people are taking? Uh, knowing that like you're taking a very unique pathway um, of being a Navy dentist, but what are the other options that students have? Um, yeah, this is a, such a great question and I'm honestly really interested as well because like um, everyone's doing the same thing for the past five years. Um, I think it usually depends on what people's like own values and priorities are when they're deciding their first job. Um, but some are moving to work rurally, some are moving to work metrally or maybe interstate. Um, and not necessarily like everyone who's interstate will go back to, I guess, where they were from. Some may choose to stay in SA just because their professional networks are here. Um, but I think most people are moving, I think, away from Adelaide. I think some will be in private practice, some may be in the public sector. I think I'm the only one who is looking to be in defence. And also, like, there's really no rush to find a job. Like, I know from, like, maybe the August to September time in fifth year people are like hearing of other people doing interviews and stuff but like really just um like don't feel rushed just because other people are doing it um and a lot of people do change the first jobs that they do so um it's it's really hard to find your perfect job because you haven't actually worked as a dentist before so how do you know what um what you enjoy doing what you don't really enjoy doing and yeah if you choose to take like a six month year break i've heard of people doing that too so yeah that was some very helpful advice that you have for upcoming dental graduate students <laughs> so that actually is a great segue on to our next question so other than the ones you've given today what advice would you give to the dental and oral health students tuning in um, so I think I have two major pieces of advice. One is, I guess, more aimed at all the undergraduate students and then one is more aimed at the BDS4 students or BOH2 students. So for the um, BO, BDS4 and BOH2 students, I would really recommend attending online seminars regarding finding a job. Th 
this year actually um, just because I found that when I was in my final year especially being rurally placed I was quite busy after clinic like going to the gym cooking like if my clinic group wanted to do something um, I just found it difficult to say no so I couldn't go to all the seminars that I wanted to go I think the AUDSS grad pack is a great place to start um, and the Australian Dental Students Association or ADSA also does some great like graduation seminars um, and I think to BDS and BOH students in general just really recommend getting to know the students inside in your class and outside your classes much as you can um, like I've heard that it's pretty hard to find friends once you graduate university um, and the people around you in dentistry right now will really be able to understand um, I guess a, lo a lot of the trials and tribulations that you face and I know that like everyone is a bit you know I guess nervous to reach out but very very few people would say no to hang out if you want to hang out um, and just hearing about other people talk about their placement groups and their experiences revealed heaps of unlikely friendships and I think the rare person who's a bit odd and doesn't really get along with you is few and far between so definitely recommend you getting to know as many people as you can. Yeah, it's nice to hear that you still had like a pastime things to do after clinic like in the rural towns. So I'm just curious to know, like what did you do outside of clinic when you were on placement? Oh, um, okay. So in Mount Gambia, we did like boxing classes. Um, got really fit. We did like boxing classes like five times a week. So it would be like a whole day of clinic and then boxing. Um, so there wasn't much to do after that, but um, we did explore like a lot of sinkholes. Have you been to like sinkholes before at all? I've heard about it from my friends like at college who are from Mount Gambia and they said, oh, it's like pretty much the only thing you can do on <laughs> the weekends. <laughs> oh, you should Google or go on Instagram or something um, and look up like little blue lake it's so like um, viral on the internet because it's so pretty and so basically because it's the limestone coast um, I think over time it kind of just collapses which is like scary because if you're living in the town and suddenly there's a hole <laughs> it's a bit scary um, but um, there's like all these lakes and all these caves that you can go to and it's so beautiful so we went to a lot of those areas and just driving around the limestone coast it's so pretty um, so that's Mount Gambia um, why went to Sydney quite a lot because it's quite close to Sydney and then also there's a lot of like really nice lakes and beaches around there so I did fishing a bit as well um, but yeah there's just like it's so fun to like pick up all these random hobbies I've never fished before and now I know a little bit about fishing and boxing too so um, just be open to like um, finding new things about yourself and if you don't like them at least now you know you don't like them yeah, yeah it's funny to hear that you're finding like ways to de-stress after seeing patients <laughs> through boxing. Oh yeah, punching bag. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, very some some odd patients here and there. And I'm sure you'll find that too, Valerie. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see when that time comes. So, um, final final question for today: What is a dental instrument or bird that you cannot live without, and why? Um, I think I really cannot live without the triplex. Um, just I think when everything's so dry, you can see everything. Like calculus, you can find see the difference between like D min and hypo min, 
um, and like being able to detect caries as well it's so much easier when it's so dry the patient doesn't really love it because who loves like a dry cheek <laughs> no one but it helps so much and I've had like triplexes where um, I don't know if you've had in sim where it's like broken off at the nozzle mm. and it's so annoying or like if one little hole's not working and you have to press so hard and it's still not drying it it's really hard um, but because like the triplex is always there it's very dependable um, it's that's why I do really love it and you know you can it's you know it's like a little gun and you can like spray water as well and yeah that's why I really love the triplex <laughs> <laughs> yeah sometimes in some clinic if you get allocated to sit next to like the more mischievous patient mm. uh, uh, students mm. you might get a bit of like water spraying here and there when mm. they get bored mm -hmm. that's <laughs> it that's it yeah so it's actually really nice to hear that um, like fifth year graduate students like you and one of the PhD students that I recently interviewed for this podcast, check out that episode by the way when it comes out, uh, love instruments that are ones that we learn to use like on the first or second day of dental school in the sim clinic mm. but it's nice to like get back to the basics mm, yeah i think it's easy to like get lost in the source of like oh like this really cool laser or like um i don't know just random stuff but really you can rely on your trusty basics they've been through in this industry for decades now and they've done that for a reason so yeah that's why the simple simple instruments are the best yeah, nice. Okay, <laughs> so we're now just going to come to a close. Um, and thank you so much to Jingyang for coming in today uh, during your well-deserved and <laughs> final long holiday uh, before you start becoming a working woman. <laughs> so it's nice to have you on. Um, and a big thanks to Jessica who will be editing this episode. Um, and if you've enjoyed hearing from us today, please subscribe to the Al Dente podcast through Spotify or Apple Music. And thank you for tuning in and hear from us soon.